Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started... All you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBets. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese of the Action Network, joined by my colleague, Mike Ionello. And this is our week three group of five deep dive. But first, we have to tip our cap and really thank the Wyoming Cowboys. Pokes till we croak. They made us sweat, but in one of our best bets from last week, one of our winners from our high five round robin, the Wyoming Cowboys held on in arguably the most ridiculous G5 game of the year, not just from a gambling perspective, but also just the play on the field. It was a passion play for us, too. If you were monitoring the Slack channel, the Action Network, it was on fire with hot emotions running in every direction. Mike, how did you feel about the roller coaster ride and any major takeaways from, for you from that game? That is a perfect transition because my G5 hero of the week is Sean Chambers because, yeah, they almost blew it there, but they came roaring back with a minute 35 left. Chambers has it, takes it himself, calls his own number, nine-yard touchdown run to give Wyoming the lead. But more importantly, they also got the two-point conversion, go up seven, cover the six and a half. Chambers had three total touchdowns. I'm going Sean Chambers, the Wyoming quarterback, giving us the win and the cover. I can be I'm going to keep it pretty simple. Sean Chambers is also my G5 hero of the week. And why shouldn't he be? I mean, this bionic man of a football player, he's been injured so many times. He reminds me of the G5 Jason White. He's just got knee injuries and, you know, he's been stuck on the shelf for so long. And to see him come through 
when us gamblers needed him most. It was everything I wanted and more in a G5 game, particularly one that I had tied up in a bunch of parlays. And clearly, you know, the emotions were running hot as, as your best bet here on the G5 deep dive. So I'm just excited that Wyoming did us right. And they head back to, to Laramie, or as we like to call it here on the podcast, Larry Dice as the true heroes they deserve to be. I was in Newport, Rhode Island on vacation with my fiance, you know, just a gorgeous beach town, dragged her to a bar I could watch football in. We're at this bar with, you know, seven TVs around us, none of which have this game on. And I'm watching it on my phone, screaming at like the game cast updates. Dana, I got to see if Wyoming covers the spread. So that's why I love this sport. That's why I love G5. That's why I love Sean Chambers. And listeners should love us because now with two more winners in our best bet segment, we're five and zero on the season, which is keeping up with our initial torrid pace, eleven and zero in week one. But fortunately, the high five round robin didn't come together, three and two. But we need to do better, so we got to start where we buttered our bread here on the podcast, which is best bet. So I'm going to let you get this ball rolling, and I'm hoping that you're going back to the well with a team that has been successful for you in the past. For my first bet. My best bet, I'm taking Boise State minus three and a half against Oklahoma State. The Boise State offense, obviously, it's two games in, has kind of looked like what we've expected out of the Boise State offense. You know, Bachmeyers looks great, 603 yards, four touchdowns, just one pick in two games. Khalil Shakir is everything we thought he would be, 247 yards, two touchdowns. He's been a monster. The two of them have this offense running. And the biggest thing I felt Boise State needed to improve, obviously, their defense was solid last year, but they really struggled to force turnovers. And that was something when Andy Avalos came over from Oregon, he said he wanted the defense to be more aggressive. They forced three turnovers all season last year. They already have eight through two games. So that pretty much like, hey, that's what I needed to see. Boom. I've seen it. And then the Oklahoma State side, you know, maybe this is a little bit of personal bias because I feel like every time I bet on Oklahoma State, they lose usually in horrific fashion. But I don't think Spencer Sanders is good at all. And he's someone who struggles with turnovers his whole career. He's got 19 interceptions. He's fumbled 12 times in the last two years. Even last week, he fumbled twice. Uh, they did recover him, but, you know, he's very careless with the ball. And if you watched him a lot last year, like I did, he's a totally different quarterback when Tylen Wallace was out or Chuba Hubbard was hurt. You know, he if, if the game is on Sanders' shoulders, they ain't winning it. So, you know, the fans are already chanting for Shane Ellenworth to come in, who, you know, that would actually make me a little more nervous about this bet. But I think Boise State, their offense is going to have no problem. I mean, Oklahoma State defense looked improved last year, but Darius Williams is gone. He was kind of their mainstay in the back end. I, I trust this Boise State offense a lot more than the Oklahoma State offense. And from what I've seen from Boise State's defense, being able to force turnovers and play more aggressive, I'm really impressed. Oklahoma State's going up to the Smurf turf. I'll lay the three and a half with Boise State here. There's a lot to like about this Boise State team, whether it's Bachmeyer, who's you know taken all but one snap this year, or even Jack Sears coming in off the bench. The passing game is living up to the lofty expectations. My only concern is the running game has just not been there, you know, sub three yards per carry this season. Um, but I agree with you. Oklahoma State, they just seem to be a little bit dysfunctional offensively when Spencer Sanders is calling the shots. And there's not necessarily a star player to turn to in the ways that really, you know, dating back to 2014, they've always had a player to go to a dynamic skill position, you know, from the James Washington's to you mentioned in Wallace and Chuba Hubbard, they they've had these guys to bail them out and to get those uh, explosive plays. And I just don't see it this year. I think they're efficient offensively at best, um, but certainly not explosive. So I like that one. 
I'm going to go with really a G5 team and almost a name only because they're out the door to play in the Big 12 very soon. And that is the Cincinnati Bearcats. Luke Fickle also getting his name bandied about uh, potentially hopping on that USC job opening. But just a little insider tip here if you're thinking about betting the futures for who USC hires. He has multiple kids. I think he's got four or five, maybe six kids. And he's been a Midwestern guy his entire life. And I think the the idea of moving everybody to Los Angeles could be something, just a bridge too far for him in this spot. I know it's going to be transformational money. I know it's an opportunity to coach one of the elite blue bloods in the history of college football. But Cincinnati has now played their way into an established top 15 program. They're top 10 this season. If everything goes right and they win out, they're going to be in the college football playoff potentially. And then with the Big 12 extending the, the offer, I think it's more likely that he's going to, to hold out for a dream job maybe in the Midwest as opposed to leaving Cincinnati. But getting down to brass tacks for this particular game against Indiana, I, during the preseason, wrote extensively that I believe that Indiana was a paper tiger. When you look at the teams they beat last year, they only beat one with a winning record. and It was a four and three Wisconsin team that was totally dysfunctional offensively due to COVID losses. And this year, they needed Michael Penix Jr. to be the kind of guy he was pre-injury. And I hate to pile on the guy, particularly playing through an injury and coming back so quickly. I think just historically, the timetable on these ACL injuries has, has shrunk so dramatically that we just say, oh, he had it seven months ago. He'll be fine. That's just not the way that it works necessarily. And it's clear that he can't push the ball down the field. And what are defenses doing? They're coming to the line of scrimmage. And it wasn't just Iowa who pants them in that opener, even against Idaho, he couldn't push the ball down the field. And when I look at the Cincinnati defense, this is a special defense. I think in the end, they're going to have two first round NFL draft picks. And because of that, I think they're going to put the clamps on this Hoosier offense. So the question is, can Desmond Ritter get you 24 points or more? I feel comfortable in that spot. I think he's going to be able to do it, particularly when you look at his performances in the last two years against ranked opponents, he's played up. They've sleptwalked through a few games, you know, whether it's Murray State or, you know, some some teams on their schedule like USF last year. They didn't put their foot down on the accelerator. I don't think they're going to have any problem doing that in a game that, yes, Indiana's down, but they are a power five opponent. This is an opportunity to to get a pelt, put it up on their wall, to be able to impress the college football playoff committee. And there's no look ahead factor for me with Notre Dame two weeks away with that by by week in between. What do you think about Cincy in this spot? I love it. I bet Indiana's win total under. Totally agreed. If you look at their games last year, you know, you know they really relied on just turnover luck defensively. You know, Kane Womack's now gone. He's the he took the uh, head coach job at Southern Miss, so that they lost their DC. And everything you said is, is that Cincinnati. You know, their offense is just you're, they're never going to be known for their offense. But you know, Ritter's what on his fourth fifth season, he's just he's consistent. He's great with his legs and his arm. And that Cincinnati defense, you know, they are going to dial up the blitz on Penix, and he really struggles under pressure. He has his entire career. When he's able to get it out, they have two of the best corners in college football with Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. So I think Penix is really going to struggle against the Cincinnati defense. And to your point, you know, all offseason, when all the all the national talk about, you know, can, does Cincinnati have a chance? The whole storyline is they got to beat Indiana and Notre Dame. They have to smack Indiana, and I think they're going to be ready for it, and I think they're going to smack them. And, and these are the only two games that matter to Cincinnati, is Indiana and Notre Dame. All right, just to put a nice cap on our best bets, we actually have four this week, so one more from you, Ionello, and then I'll come in over the top. Yeah, I'm going to go with over 50 and a half in Nevada, Kansas State. I know you know some people might be scared away by, by the loss of Skylar Thompson, but, but Will Howard started most of last year, and they were 23rd in the country in explosiveness last year under Howard. So 
I think, you know, it's a little bit of a step down, but I, I still trust Howard. And I think if anything, this number is probably just lower because you don't have Thompson, you know, Howard averaged seven points or seven yards per attempt last year. He's able to use his legs. And Kansas state has Deuce Vaughn, who, if you guys haven't watched Deuce Vaughn, he is a human highlight reel. He can break a 70 yard carry just about on any touch. So he led the big 12 last year with 16 plays of 20 plus yards. He had, he already had a 59 yard touchdown run week one. So you have the explosiveness on the Kansas state side. And then obviously the Nevada side, you know, Carson Strong, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's already thrown for 693 yards and six touchdowns in two games. They've got talent all over the place. Romeo Dubs, you know, they have the speedster Torrey Horton, who averages 25 yards per catch this year. So, yeah, g- give me that. Give me the over in that game. Two teams that can put up points quickly. Uh, I liked over 50 between Nevada, Kansas State. I'll just make one quick note on that because I've got burned on this in the past. You always want to check the wins, you know, when playing in, you know, the Little Apple out there in Manhattan, mm-hmm. Kansas. Because, you know, Nevada is going to rely so heavily on Carson Strong and to get that passing game going. So just make sure that it's nothing, let's say, in excess of 14 miles an hour. The Action Network labs allow you to play with different tools. And they always point out that, you know, totals take a nosedive when wind is at 15 miles an hour or, or higher. So just something to keep an eye on. To close out the best bets for me, I like Iowa minus 22 against Kent State. And this one's pretty simple. Kent State is a team that has been bullied by Power 5 competition over the years. They ran up some huge numbers last year in a MAC-only schedule. 22 really caught my eye here because they were a 29.5-point underdog at Texas A&M. It took a, a bit of a gambling miracle to, to get that cover. But when I look at the Iowa defense, particularly in the pass defense department, this is the best t- pass defense in the country for my money. When you look at what they did to Iowa State, Iowa State had a look at Brock Purdy who's been starting forever for them and say, all right, it's time for you to sit down. We don't want to ruin your confidence. That's how bad you were playing against this Iowa defense and how bad they're making us look, you know, offensively. I think it's going to be a struggle for Kent state to score more than 10 points in this game. And when I think about Kirk Ferentz and Ferentz and what he has done offensively, yes, they're, they're vanilla. Yes. They want to play ball control. And sometimes that can scare betters off of a larger number like this in excess of three touchdowns. But I think this is a feel good game for Spencer Petrus to get involved in the passing game, to get up his stats a little bit. From a running game perspective, the reason why I loved AM so much a couple of weeks ago is that they were able to run through, by, around, whatever you want, that golden flash defense. When I look at Spin Shady, as some have called Tyler Goodson this year, I think he's going to go for a huge game. And I don't think there's any chance that Kent State can slow him down, particularly last week. You know, they get a feel-good game against Virginia Military Institute, and they still gave up, I think, like 150 yards on the ground. So this defense just lining up 11 on 11 is overmatched against anyone in the run game. So I like Iowa here. What do you think about the Hawkeyes? And now that they're in the top five nationally, is there any chance of a letdown spot here against a MAC opponent? I'm not sold on Iowa yet just because I think their offense has looked atrocious. I I definitely am going to pick some spots to fade Iowa, um, but I don't necessarily think this is it for the reason you laid out on. So I'm fine laying the points with the Hawkeyes here. This is, this is another one of those Kent state backdoor specials, but Hey, it worked out for you last time. And at the end of the day, if, if Kent state has to, has to kick a field goal, to cover the spread late, you should feel pretty confident with your Iowa bet. So again, the, the, the Kent state, the, you know, that offense, how fast they play it, it always makes you nervous with the back door, but it worked last time. So I, I don't fault you at all for taking it again. 
And now as a quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. So take advantage of this WinBet offer. Just click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, let's move on to our underdog parlay of the week. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. We're back here, and I think it's going to be a nice balance because I'm a little bit more ambitious on my Moneyline edition here than you are. But get us started with what you believe is an underdog that probably should be favored. Yeah, I'm going back to the well. I'm going with the fight in Will Healy's. I'm taking Charlotte. They're plus 160 at Georgia State. I'm a huge Will Healy fan. This is Will Healy, head coach of Charlotte. How much do you miss Club Lit? I am missing Club Lit a lot. Been working extremely hard on my dad bot. So look forward to being able to be back in there. A newly renovated Club Lit. I liked them to bounce back and, you know, they showed it with the upset went over Duke and their defense has looked a lot better. Obviously, they got torched on the ground by Duke, but they look good against the pass. They only allowed 214 yards total last week, only 50 through the air. And this Georgia State team, who I actually expected to be pretty good, has looked horrible. Quad Brown looks completely lost. You know, he has 197 passing yards and negative 10 rushing yards in two games. They had 177 total yards of offense against Army, 262 against North Carolina. I mean, what about that UNC defense should be that dominant? And then their defense has allowed over 200 rushing yards in both game. I mean, yeah, okay, UNC has a great offense. I mean, they put up 607 yards against Georgia State. So it's an underdog. You're, you're taking a little shot, an underdog parlay. I wouldn't be shocked if they were favored in this game. So they, they look like they have some confidence. They're playing well. Georgia State looks totally lost. So I'll take a shot at the 49ers here, and yeah, we'll get, we'll get club lit going again. Georgia State was a team that I was kind of pumping up. Uh, they went 7-5 and five against the spread. Uh, last year in the Sun Belt, and they had so much coming back offensively. Then they had some issues with COVID, some players held out against Army. So I kind of gave them a pass. But last week against North Carolina, I agree. The passing game and just offense in general should be so much further along. And with so many things trending in the favor of some of these underdogs that have the continuity and have the, the starters coming back, you would think that they'd play better. And we're looking at the entire G5. There's 65 teams that we can pick from. So I am not going to get emotionally invested in Georgia state team that let me down. I'm happy to back away. And in this case, we're going to fade him this week. I'm going to join you. My addition to the underdog parlay card is more aggressive. And I think it's going to raise more than a few eyebrows. You can see it over my shoulder. For those of you watching on YouTube, the Fresno state Bulldogs plus three forty-five traveling to Pasadena, which barely qualifies as a home field advantage. I mean, they'll have upwards of 5,000 fans, really, you know, when you look at the the overhead. Um, this is not the UCLA teams that went to multiple Rose Bowls in the mid to late 90s. The fan base is not fired up by it. Beating LSU was great. And I actually think that plays in, in our favor in this spot because LSU was their, their game of the year. And honestly, it was a game that they had circled and you saw how much it meant emotionally to DTR after the game. But DTR is really the reason I'm fading the Bruins here. This is a guy who can 
play games and kind of like will them to win and catch fire. He's almost like a three point shooter. Who's really streaky as he was, you know, a couple of years ago against Washington state in that crazy comeback. But he's also a guy who no problem completing 40% of his passes can just a lot of the timing elements, of the chip Kelly offense in the passing game require you to be in sync and having that continuity. And he doesn't seem to have that on a week to week basis. But really when I, when I turn my eyes to Fresno state, I don't understand why they're not viewed more as a live dog in this spot because you got Jay Kaner at quarterback who was really the missing piece coming into last year. They were uh, historically, you know, under Pat Hill for so long, a strong defense and a running game. And they would bubble up to those you know, top 20 rankings when they had a great quarterback, when they had a David Carr or Derek Carr. And now they have it again. Jay Kaner is playing incredible football. He was this close to orchestrating an upset in Eugene over the Oregon Ducks, who we now know is a bona fide top five team. And they've also done it without their coming into the season, at least their best offensive weapon, Ronnie Rivers, really balling out. He was a guy who was getting 25, 30 touches a game. They don't need them to do that this year. When you look at the timeshare with Jordan Mims, they also bring in Jalen Henderson for some quarterback runs. They have been so much more balanced offensively. Jalen Cropper in particular is that explosive element in their offense. And I just view this as a great spot to, to catch a UCLA team that is going to have to deal with something they haven't dealt with in years and years and years. And that's expectations. And that's a letdown factor after a big win. Um, so I think this is a great opportunity to catch a Fresno State team. And I'll also add, there is a weekly column that is passed around at the Action Network. You can get it for free on the Action Network app that just talks about futures. It's a, it's a weekly look at national title futures and conference futures. This week, I contributed to it. Fresno's going off at 7-1 to one to win the Mountain West Conference. I don't know about you, but I don't view Boise State as this, you know, dragon that needs to be slayed in the Mountain West this season. I look at it, it as a four-team race, Nevada, Boise, Fresno, and San Jose State. And Fresno at 7-1, to one, San Jose State at 8-1, to one, I think those are great values. So I'm going to go ahead and play them there as well. And I'll tell you this, if they do upset the Bruins, that number is going to come down swiftly overnight. So you may want to catch that uh, at win bet while you can. What are your thoughts on that one? It's exactly, this is where you play it because, you know, we're both admitting it's it's probably not likely to hit, but there's more of a chance than this line indicates, which I agree with. I definitely don't trust DTR at all. Don't really trust Chip Kelly as a coach either. And, and even, like you said, they have the two big wins and they're starting to get a lot of hype, which they have not done well when they get that. Look at the teams they beat. You know, we both, I think we both, I definitely bet Hawaii, uh, or I bet the under in that game because I don't think Hawaii was very good. And they prove, I don't think Hawaii's looked good at all. And then LSU did not look good last week either. So I, you have to kind of wonder what's the level of the competition they've played. You know, I'm not sold on Hawaii. LSU, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to give it out here, but Central Michigan's worth a look this week as well. Hey, 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 bring your ass on. Bring your ass on, you little sissy blue shirt. <laughs> so I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I'm not sold on the Bruins yet. And I think taking a little shot here on a team where you know, Fresno State can put up points, and you know if that offense is clicking, they can run with UCLA. So I agree with you. I think I trust Hainer more than DTR at this point. So, yeah, I like I like taking the shot on him. All right, it's time now for a bit of a lightning round. We call it the G5 High Five Round Robin of the Week. Should we high five? High five! Went three and two last week, five and oh in week one. So we're back at it. I don't know about you, Ionello, but this time of year, at least, has been a little bit thin in terms of the menu to choose from at the G5 level. And it's going to get a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable during conference play. But I had to squint a little bit for games that I liked. I did. I was able to pull three out of uh, out of the slate. So if you could help me out with two, that'd be much appreciated. I'll get it started here and I'll, I'll keep this simple. 
Toledo nearly goes into South Bend and hands the Fighting Irish a loss, which you were absolutely on. You liked them plus, I think it was 17 and a half. That was a no sweat cover if there ever was one. Going to make sure to uh, either get you a mini helmet or, you know what, I think we should get you a Mac flag so you can fly in the in the apartment there because we are going to be building up the goodwill of the, the Maction family this year. Um, but Toledo this week, they get the the reward, really, of playing just one of the worst G5 teams out there, and that's Colorado State. I think Adazio has got to be on firing alerts, you know, as our producer likes to say, no time to be buying green bananas. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Other than their passing game, you know, Dante Wright is banged up. Not sure he's going to go in this game. Trey McBride at tight end is the best thing that they have going. That's it. There's not a lot of reasons for optimism. When you look at their performance last week against Vanderbilt, they made the Vanderbilt offense look explosive. This is is a bad look here. So it's a big money line number, but I think there's just about a 0% chance that Toledo is going to lose in the glass bowl to Colorado State. Do you feel as confidently as I do in the Rockets here? Toledo is well coached. Colorado State is not. (laughs) (laughs) How about you give us one of your plays for the round robin? Yeah, I'm going to double down with you. And so far, this has worked for us. When when one of us plugs in the other one's best bet into the G5 high five, I think we're undefeated here. So I'm going to double down again. I'm taking Cincinnati as my high five play, uh, minus four. Um, I, I, I like everything we talked about. I love Cincinnati here. I think Indiana was kind of a fraud team last year. I don't trust Michael Penix. I think he's overrated. I think he struggles under pressure. And Cincinnati is great at getting pressure. They have great cornerbacks. He's not going to be able to pass against them. So give me the Bearcats. This game is kind of one of the only games that matters on their schedule for national rankings. So I think, I think they make a statement against Indiana. And far be it for me to hold out the best of the best for our audience. I was actually on local radio here in Philadelphia this morning. And not only did I like Cincinnati money line minus four, I'm personally going to play them minus nine and a half on the alternate line to get two to one on my money, because I think there's a chance that they just absolutely take the Hoosiers to the, to the woodshed in this one. All right, back to a game that really I would say is going to be one of the most fun to watch from a pace and scoring perspective. That's over 76 and a half between Tulane and Old Miss. I love what we've seen so far from Tulane. Michael Pratt was one of those potential breakout players in the AAC, and now he's he's put that on film. I love what the Green Wave has been able to do. They throw a serious scare into Oklahoma in Norman, and you can make a bunch of arguments. I think Lincoln Riley even said this in the post game that there was an emotional component. You know, they didn't want to drill these guys, and they kind of took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. They had been displaced by Hurricane Ida, blah, 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 blah. They were still on the field. They were still playing Oklahoma in Norman, and they were able to score that many points and move the ball that effectively. I think they're going to be able to score north of 28 points. And the beauty here is this old Miss offense is a juggernaut. And what Matt Corral does for them offensively is so dynamic. It's almost like, you know, the way that Lane Kiffin has been moving around the chess pieces. It's like watching Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Not that I'm comparing the arm talent or anything like that, but the creativity, the kind of inline screens and the RPO stuff that they're running. I look at it from a defensive perspective. If I was on the sticks playing NCA 14, I don't know what I would call. I don't know what defensive coordinators are going to do. And the only time I think they're going to have an opportunity to hem them in is when they have superior personnel. When you're talking about maybe an A&M defensively or certainly Alabama. But outside of that, this team is for me, a lock to score over 40 points. I think they'll get to that 50 burger number in this one. And like I said, if, Tulane can do their part, score four touchdowns. This is going to go north of the 76 and a half. 
I'm not uh, one of those life's too short to bet the over guys, but in this spot, I am not scared away by the mid seventies number. Is this too high for you or is this going to be a play of yours as well? No, I love it actually. And I agree with you. I think Tulane in general was a team that I was kind of, I thought was a little underrated going into the season, just because when you look at their, their total stats from the season, you know, they were kind of just middling, I guess, but like you mentioned Pratt, he took over what week four, five, something like that. He took over mid season. So, you know, his num- their numbers as a team were different before he got in there. They've scored 30 points every single game since he took over last year and this year. So he totally changes that offense. And I think they're undervalued with him in there. And like you said, Ole Miss can, can score 50 on anybody. So I think, you know, boom, there's 80 right there. And, and honestly, I think in a different way with the UCLA play that I mentioned earlier, it's if you had told me in August, yeah, UCLA is a bona fide top 15 team and the Ole Miss defense is fixed. They're really good. I'd say I mean, you probably need to wait a little bit longer. You're going to need some some more, a larger sample size, certainly. Um, so to to go against an Ole Miss defense that is feeling good about themselves, but when you've looked at their opponents most recently, I'm certainly not blown away by Louisville. I, I think on paper right now, quarterback play is higher at Tulane than Louisville. So to get those 28 points, I'm feeling pretty good. And I love that nugget you dropped in about Tulane going over 30 and every one of Pratt starts. All right, one more from you and then one more from me to wrap up the G5 High Five Round Robin of the Week. Yeah, you talked about me flying the Mac flag. I'm going to do it here. And we, we even teased this kind of in our in our season preview, the, the first episode we dropped. We teased I was going to take this. The number's better than I even thought it was going to be. Give me Western Michigan plus 15 at Pitt, the Pat Narduzzi special. Watch out for Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi at Pitt as a home favorite is 9, 14, and 2 against the spread Pitt is five and 12 ATS as a touchdown or more favorite. And they're four and nine when laying double digits. Boom. Batner doozy at home. Give me the points with Western Michigan plus 15. I love, I love it. I love the Western Michigan team in general. And you, you throw it in with the, the pit, you know, in sleepy Heinz field, there's going to be nobody there. So yep. Give me the Broncos. This is the only one I'm worried about a little bit, but I'm not going to step away from us here in the G5 high five because our picks through two weeks are eight and two. So let's keep the mojo rolling. And speaking of the last one here, pick number five, I like another over between Mississippi state and Memphis. I was actually surprised to see this at 64. This is a Memphis offense that has been absolutely prolific for, you know, dating back to the Norbell days and the Justin Fuente days. And it seems as though they found another gunslinger. It was supposed to be a transfer from Arizona. Instead, it's true freshman Seth Hennigan. Kid's got 682 yards and six touchdowns through two weeks. And he did it last week in a game that went over the 100-point mark, 55-50 against Arkansas State. So once again, tackling optional for the Memphis Tigers. And it's not just Hennigan. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit throughout the podcast that you need to have those explosive players to be able to get that three yard hitch and turn it into a big game or just turn around and hand the ball off. Brandon Thomas, another new face on the Memphis offense. He's averaging 10 yards a carry. He's got 338 rushing yards through two games. Calvin Austin, the third returns. He's been as explosive as always 12 receptions, almost 300 yards, four TDs. He's going to help them in the return game as well. And Mississippi state, listen, Their game against NC State last week may scare people off in terms of the total that their defense could clamp them. I think Memphis is going to be dynamic enough, and they're certainly going to make the Mississippi State passing game look better because their pass defense is just not up to snuff. 
So I look for Will Rogers and Seth Hennigan's getting a bit of a shootout, maybe a close game through three quarters. I'd like the fact that it's being played at Memphis as opposed to Mississippi State. It can be a very difficult home field advantage to overcome. Like the Tigers here to push this over 64 and a half by my power rankings. This should be just close to 70. So almost a touchdown worth the value in the spot like the over. What do you think? Yeah, if anybody disagrees with this play, go back and watch the Memphis-Arkansas State game from last week. Maybe the craziest, most fun game of the week. Uh, it was an absolute shootout. I want to say the final, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it was like, what, 55, 50, something like that. Each team, both teams had 608 yards of offense. Uh, Memphis, yeah, they were just balling out all over the place. So I definitely think their offense is capable of putting up numbers. And yeah, Mississippi State, you know. That's kind of how they are is they either their offense, I feel like either clicks and puts up 40 or they put up, you know, 14. So yeah, I feel like you'll know early if this is going to win. Um, but I think when I saw from that and, you know, like I said, the Memphis defense got shredded by Arkansas State. So I, I think I, I definitely like this play. All right, that wraps up our G5 High Five round robin of our five picks. I'll run through my three real quick. Toledo on the money line, over 76 and a half between Tulane and Old Miss, as well as over 64 in Mississippi State, Memphis. And for INLO's two picks? I'll take Cincinnati minus four against Indiana and Western Michigan plus 15 at Pitt. And to summarize our money line underdog parlay and our best bets, we're going to bring in our voiceover specialist, Tina, to help you remember. Our underdog Moneyline Parlay is Charlotte. The Charlotte 49ers. And Fresno State. The Fresno State Bulldogs. For a payout of plus 1050. And our best bets are Iowa minus 22. The Iowa Hawkeyes. Over 50 and a half in the Kansas State Nevada game. The Nevada Wolfpack. Boise State minus three and a half at home on the Smurf turf. The Boise State Broncos. And Cincinnati minus four. The Cincinnati Bearcats. And that's it for Ionello and myself for this week's episode of the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus banner. Stucky and Colin will be dropping their weekly college football betting previews late Thursday night into Friday morning. So be sure to check in on that. But we'll be back next Wednesday to account for all these great picks that we threw out there and to give you coverage of the greatest group of five conferences in the United States of America. And remember, if you have a bad beat, dial up 959-BAD-BEAT. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, guys. 